Welcome to Red Rank Podcast, home of the smoothest voice on Twitch. I'm your host, The Crow Show. Just a friendly reminder, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn Radio, among others. And on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and a review. If you can do that, do me a big, big favor. Help me beat that almighty algorithm. Help us climb the ranks of the podcasting world. I'd really, really appreciate that. So we have a bunch to talk about today. We're going to talk about, of course, the new Ring chapter, which just hit the PTB today. I've been playing it all night and having a lot of fun playing the new Killer. Uh, We'll get into some conversation about the perks, the way the Killer works, And we'll also have a discussion about the Survivor's new perks. And we'll see if any of these perks will make it into the current meta. Maybe throw out some ideas for um, the way these perks will work with the current build of Dead by Daylight. First off, let's talk about this week's Shrine. And that runs from February 15th through February 22nd. The perks available on the Shrine of Secrets are Off the Record, Appraisal, Make Your Choice, and Shadowborn. Uh, both Survivor perks, not great. Appraisal's kind of okay in certain like builds. Off the record, again, you can skip that. Uh, Make Your Choice has certain uses with certain killers. You have to be basically a mobile killer, nurse, wraith. I'd say blight, but I, I think Make Your Choice only works on a primary attack versus your um, killer rush. Uh, and Shadowborn is is a very, very good perk. It's worth having in your arsenal. Uh, so to recap, this week's Shrine is Off the Record, Appraisal, Make Your Choice, and Shadowborn. I have a soft recommendation for Make Your Choice and Shadowborn, and you can skip both Survivor perks. So we have a lot to cover for the rest of the episode, primarily talking about the upcoming chapter update, the, the Ringu chapter, which the... The PTB just came out this week, and I've had a chance to play it, had a chance to watch some content and consume some of that content, and I just wanted to share some of my initial thoughts with you here. One of the important notes we should talk about briefly here is in the patch notes, there's a note that says the next patch will disable the added bonus players saw when using stretch resolution. So that means if you try to use stretch resolution, the additional area of view you you would have seen will be covered by black bars. And I think this is a good change. Stretch Res is an eyesore on the DVD community. It objectively looks hideous. And I'm glad t- my TikTok will no longer be littered with these ugly clips. Stretch Res just looks so, so silly. And I, I know that, you know, killers and survivors use it to get a slight competitive edge. It's been a thing since the beginning of competitive gaming. Every other game has patched that out. And it's, it's about time behavior got it out of the game. I had no problem if anybody wanted to use it. That's totally fine. If you want your game to look ugly, <laughs> that's up to you. <laughs> but uh, that will no longer provide an advantage. I think that's a good thing. Get that stuff out of here. Okay, so let's talk about the big patch notes here regarding the Ringu chapter. So first I'm going to talk about Sadako, the new killer. Uh, we'll talk about the, their powers how they play. We'll talk about the killer's new teachable perks. We'll talk about the survivor's new teachable perks. And then just sort of my initial thoughts on the Ringu chapter. So Sadako is a 115 killer, meaning that survivors move at 100% speed. Sadako moves at 115% speed. Same speed as like the trapper, artist, wraith, etc. 
And also note that Sadako is a short killer, so you're very low to the ground. I think even lower than Hag, or maybe around the same height. Sadako has been described as being a kind of a hybrid between Wraith, Freddy, Spirit. Uh, but right out of the get-go, I gotta tell you, Sadako is not a strong killer. Sadako is fairly easy to run, and just like Ghostface, has no chase mechanics once she's in her chase. Um, Sadako has no powers that close gaps. So Sadako can get the first hit fairly easily. You can kind of sneak up on survivors. Um, but yeah, finishing chases is really, really difficult for Sadako. Sadako starts out the round as manifested in her physical form, and she can only hit survivors while manifested. When Sadako demanifests, she's invisible when more than 32 meters away from a survivor. And then she kind of blinks on and off when she's within 32 meters of a survivor while demanifested. Sadako can teleport to TVs across the map as long as the TVs are on while demanifested. After she crawls out of the TV, she's automatically manifested and gets a small burst of speed while having no terror radius. The burst of speed is where the comparisons are drawn with Wraith after he decloaks. Teleporting to hit survivors is not super effective because the TV teleport is quite loud. Like the, the actual teleportation mechanic, yeah, it's quite loud. So survivors know where you're coming from. Any survivors with headphones will clue in that she's close and start running away and making distance. Sadako does have a special power called condemnation. It's kind of a passive thing. If a survivor is within 16 meters of a TV when Sadako teleports, that survivor gains a notch of condemnation. Now, if the survivor gets seven notches of condemnation, that survivor, once put into the dying state, Sadako can kill them instantly, regardless of how many times they've been hooked. Many people refer to this as a mini-mori. The problem is that getting seven notches of condemnation is really hard to do. Survivors can, for the most part, just ignore their condemnation notches. I suspect behavior will change this uh, when this chapter gets released because condemnation should be threatening to survivors like in the movie the in ringu you know you've got seven days and then you're just gonna die <laughs> and um in the movies it's terrifying that countdown is scary it's threatening but in the game dead by daylight it's hardly a threat at all it's super easy to get rid of as well it doesn't take long to remove survivors can remove four notches of condemnation all they have to do is go to a TV, remove a videotape from it. They'll see a notification for which TV they have to run to. They run to that little TV, insert the tape. They lose four notches of condemnation. And also the thing with Sadako is Sadako doesn't see like your condemnation progress. So once you get to seven notches, yeah, you get the killer instinct. That's when you see the red flashing. You can hear kind of a heartbeat. It's similar to, say, when Legion is in Frenzy and Legion hits somebody, and then they can see sort of the heartbeat aura of the survivors nearby. That's what's called the killer instinct. Lots of killers have it. Um, Demogorgon has it as well. Uh, but yeah. Once you get to seven notches, Killer Instinct goes off for a few seconds. I think it's five, six seconds, something like that. And then Sadako knows that they can go down that survivor and kill them instantly, even if they haven't been hooked yet. But actually getting to that is extremely hard to do. It's extremely hard to do. <laughs> I did write some notes on how condemnation works. So if a survivor is within 16 meters of a TV when Sadako teleports... 
that survivor gains a notch of the condemnation power. And if this, yeah, again, if this survivor gets up to seven notches of condemnation, that survivor is put into the dying state. They can be killed instantly. So I, I watched Ots uh, play a round of this. He he went to um, Gideon Meat Plant deliberately because it's a it's an indoor map. It's multi level. So he was just teleporting nonstop to TV to TV to TV to get everybody's condemnation up. But on some big maps. It'll be really difficult to get that up. And once they get close to seven notches, <laughs> the survivor knows they just go grab a tape, throw it in the machine, and it goes away. It's not a strong power. And I, yeah, again, I suspect behavior will buff it in some way. It's kind of like Trickster. Trickster, I believe, took more knives to injure survivors on, on release. So I think they'll probably do what they did with Trickster. They'll maybe make it five notches or they'll keep it seven notches. But maybe when you teleport to a TV, you'll gain two notches or a notch and a half. Who knows? It, in its current state, that power is extremely weak and completely useless. <laughs> So Sadako has three teachable perks, just like every other killer. Let's talk about the perks. Scourge Hook, Floods of Rage. So at the start of each trial, four random hooks on the map are changed into Scourge Hooks. They all have a white glow. They kind of, that, and that white glow is only visible to the killer. Each time a survivor um, gets unhooked from a Scourge Hook, the aura of all other survivors are revealed for seven seconds. So Sadako or the killer using this Scourge Hook Floods of Rage, will have to put a survivor on the Scourge Hook, and only once they've been removed, the killer will see the survivor's auras for seven seconds. Now, in that time, they're probably already tracking their next survivor. So seeing their aura, it's good information. But once they're probably already chasing somebody, it's pretty redundant. And in this case, you're better off just using barbecue and chili. You get you get good information on where survivors are located, and you also get blood points, like way more blood points with barbecue and chili. So um, this this perk is super weak, and there's better alternatives out there. Sadako's next teachable perk is Call of Brine. Uh, after damaging a generator, Call of Brine activates for 60 seconds. The generator regresses at 200% of the normal regression speed, so it's essentially the same speed as Ruin. So you kick a gen and it starts regressing. Same speed as Ruin. And the killer hears a loud notification if a survivor completes a good skill check on a generator affected by Call of Brine. This perk, uh, also pretty weak. Kicking generators, generally speaking, is very slow. Like, if you're in a chase, you should never stop to kick a generator, even if you've got pop goes the weasel about 99.9% .9 of the time it is way better just to keep chasing a survivor um yeah it regresses at 200% normal regression speed but it, it's very very situational I, I played it on the ptb and it was mildly useful when the survivors had like a really bad three gen meaning the last three generators on the map were all super close to each other and at that point kicking a gen is more for information purposes to be like okay i kick this gen and if i if the sparks go away i know somebody's there tapping that generator uh so yeah this one's very very bad perk uh i don't think it'll get much use new players might enjoy it but at the upper end of dead by daylight there are way better perks way better gen slowdown in the form of pop goes the weasel pain resonance 
Ruin, Undying, Dead Man's Switch. There's just so many others. <laughs> Deadlock. <laughs> it's it's bad. Merciless Storm is the next teachable perk uh, for Sadako. Whenever a generator is repaired to 90%, survivors repairing it are faced with fast, continuous skill checks. It's kind of like those glyph challenges. I think it's the yellow glyph. You interact with it and you have to go ding, 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 ding. You have to hit a whole bunch of skill checks in fast succession. Now, if the survivor misses one of those skill checks or they stop repairing during these skill checks, the generator becomes blocked by the entity for 20 seconds. Here's the thing. It can only trigger once per generator. So the killer might get value out of this once. And even then, the generator only gets blocked for 20 seconds. It doesn't regress either. It's a it's a very bad perk. It's the worst out of this whole chapter, probably. <laughs> New players might enjoy it, but again, very, very bad perk. Moving on to the survivor teachable perks. Uh, the first teachable is called Parental Guidance. This one, I think, has a really good potential. After stunning the killer by any means... Parental guidance suppresses your scratch marks, pools of blood, and grunts of pain for the next 10 seconds. And I think there's a really good potential here. Stunning, here are some ways to stun the killer, and please let me know if I've missed any. Decisive strike stuns the killer. There's a pallet stun, head-on stun, smash hit, I think is the name of the perk, and blast mine. There are probably other ways uh, of stunning the killer. Again, if I've missed any, let me know. So after you stun the killer... You have 10 seconds to run to safety, run around a corner, and the killer has no idea where you are. It's kind of like, um, what's that UE teachable? Lucky break. It's kind of like lucky break. Again, this perk will will not be S tier. It may not even see the meta, but I think a lot of people will try to use it to just have some creative ways of escaping chases. It removes uh, the killer's ability to hear where you ran to. They won't see your scratch marks and they won't see any blood pools. So uh, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, again, it'll probably be mostly in meme builds. But I'm sure better players than me will find a way to break it. And that'll be interesting to watch unfold. The next teachable is called Empathic Connection. Whenever another survivor is injured, they see your aura within 96 meters of your location. And you heal survivors 10% faster. This could pair well with other perks. But if you're using multiple perks just to heal people faster, that's bad. <laughs> I think the primary use for this will be in solo queue. Uh, but Circle of Healing is still way better than this. Like Circle of Healing in its current state, it's just better than every other healing perk. And that's super annoying. <laughs> so this perk is not very good. Um, it's almost like reverse empathy because the other survivor sees your aura as opposed to you seeing their aura while they're injured. And sure, you get a 10% speed to healing, but botany knowledge, I think is 33%. Desperate measures is, I believe, 13% per injured survivor. So on its own, it's still faster. And you unhook people faster, which is way better than this. Circle of healing is 75% healing speed. It's just, um, it's not, it's not great, Bob. It's not great. This perk should not get used at all. <laughs> and there's a new boon. It's called Boon Dark Theory. That's the third teachable perk. So you bless a totem. And when you're within that blessed totem range, survivors within that 
that blessed totem range will gain a 2% haste status effect, meaning they'll run 2% faster, walk 2% faster. It's not a very good perk. Shadow Step and Circle of Healing, much, much better. It could, I could see it be potentially useful on multi-level maps like Coal Tower, the game. Any map where you could tuck it away on a upper floor, RPD, stuff like that. I didn't get much use out of it, but again, I didn't really play much because everybody in the in the PTB, most people are just kind of running around, goofing around, looking at the new killer, looking at their new animations. And so, yeah, uh, I, I still think Circle of Healing and Shadow Step are, are far superior. I don't think this will get used much when the new chapter comes out. So just my initial thoughts, like taking a step back and looking at the ring chapter, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, the Mori is pretty gross. It, it always gets a good reaction out of people. Um, Sadako like breaks the person's arm. You can see a bone crack out of his arm and his leg cracks the other way. <laughs> so, And then you see the eyeball right in your face. It's, it's pretty gross. It gets a good reaction out of people. Overall, Sadako is a very underpowered killer. Uh, I think the consensus is that Sadako is C-tier at best, if not lower than that. I think everybody's being generous just because it's such a big chapter. Um, this killer is very underpowered because she has no chase mechanics. And I forgot to mention earlier, you do slow down a tiny bit while you're transitioning from the demanifestation mode to manifesting. So when you're in that sort of invisible state and then you manifest into your physical form, while you're doing that, you do slow down a little bit. It's kind of like when Wraith decloaks, but there's no speed burst for you at the end like Wraith. So it's worse than Wraith. <laughs> and Wraith is not a great killer. I think at the end of the day, Parental Guidance is the best perk out of the DLC, has the most potential, and even that may not see a lot of use. I think it, it has good synergy with Iron Will. Friendly reminder, Parental Guidance is when you stun a killer, you suppress your scratch marks, pulls of blood, and grunts of pain for 10 seconds. So I think that's the most exciting perk coming out of this DLC. We'll just have to wait and see, though. Overall, I'm really excited. I'm recording this on February 18th. So the next, uh, when this chapter comes out, I think it's in about two weeks, maybe three weeks. So every episode, I do like to pose sort of a question of the day, a talking point. And I want all of you to be comfortable, you know, sending me your thoughts. And maybe maybe uh, if we get enough reactions from people, I can read your reactions and your comments in a future episode, maybe the next episode. So the question of the day, question of the week, question of the episode, does MMR change the way you play Dead by Daylight? I've seen lots of discussion around this. The community tries harder to escape. They try harder to get four kills. Also, they can raise their meaningless MMR. And the thing is, MMR is mostly useless you get no your reward for having high mmr is playing against tougher killers and tougher survivors is that a good reward because <laughs> there's a bit of irony in the fact that the higher up you rank in this game the the, the more tough the competition gets the less fun this game becomes i'm always trying these fun silly builds but survivors in the middle to upper mmr 
They'll take any advantage they can get, and there, there's no rules against that. People will frown on it, but there's nothing we can do. Some killers are just going to proxy hooks. Some killers are going to tunnel the, the survivor who got off hook. Some people play it like it's competitive DPD. They want to get somebody out of the game as quickly as possible, and that's their choice. Getting back to the question, though, does MMR change the way you play Dead by Daylight? For myself, it doesn't really change the way I play. As a survivor, I do want to escape every time, but sometimes I do get too altruistic when somebody's on a hook after all gens have been fixed. I want to do everything I can to get them off the hook and get them to escape successfully. I will gladly lay myself down for teammates so that they can escape. So in that respect, I'm not thinking like, okay, I need to escape so I can improve my MMR. (laughs) That never crosses my mind. And as a killer, I rarely ever slug for the 4K. I only slug if the last survivor is really close to me and I feel confident I can down them quickly. So if I'm, you know, if I down the third survivor and I go to pick them up, but I see the fourth survivor really close by, maybe getting in position for a flashlight save, pallet save, um, get getting in position for a hook save. I'll just chase that person down them as quick as I can and put them both on hook and move on to the next game. But if I have no idea where that last survivor is at, I'll just pick up, pick up that third survivor, put him on a hook. And if that person gets the hatch, they get the hatch. I really couldn't care less. Now, keep in mind, MMR only factors in escapes and kills. So that's why so many in the community believe that players place a higher emphasis on escaping while perhaps stabbing a teammate in the back at the same time by not helping them during the endgame collapse. They're just like, okay, no, open the exit gate and leave. Raise your hand if that's happened to you in the past. It happens to me weekly. (laughs) And, you know, that's why a lot of killers, despite not knowing where that fourth survivor is, they'll slug the third person and then run around the entire map trying to find that other survivor and put him on a hook. In the meantime, maybe that last survivor picks up that third person and they just keep slugging, chasing somebody, looking for them. It's a really vicious cycle. In my opinion, it takes the game hostage and makes it really, really unfun. Now, let me know your thoughts. Does MMR change the way you play Dead by Daylight? Please let me know during my Twitch stream. Hit me up on Discord or Twitter or TikTok. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If we get enough reactions, I'll read your comments on the next episode. You can find me streaming on Twitch every Tuesday and Wednesday night. I'm experimenting with an earlier start so I can reach people on the East Coast stuff like that. So I'll try to start as early as I can to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but usually around 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Tuesday and Wednesday night. You can look me up on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Just look up The Crow Show. The links will be in the show notes. I'm putting more of an effort to put out some more YouTube videos, so I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to my YouTube. And I'm fairly active on TikTok and Twitter, of course. So I just wanted to thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you in the fog. (laughs) 